So what's the next step for Razorback football? We'll talk about that, as well as the Razorback basketball team looking like an NCAA tournament team once again. Now Razorback fans need a wake-up call. It's all coming up on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. As uh, If you're a Razorback fan, had to be a good weekend for you. And we'll talk about that and uh, dive into the Razorback basketball team and their nice win over West Virginia on Saturday in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But something that I have noticed, at least when doing these podcasts over the past few weeks, especially with news that have been coming up, is that the majority of you, even though Razorback basketball is going on, even though baseball is around the corner, it seems to be that you all still are just itching to know more and hear more about football. Like, the the interaction I get is more about football the the tweets and everything I get is more about football. The you know people as far as the listens go and watches on YouTube are uh, majority about football too. So uh, that kind of like left it in the lull over the weekend though because there really wasn't any major football news or developments at least uh, in comparison to what it was in the previous weeks. So when I started thinking about what to talk about this morning, obviously I'm going to recap the weekend and everything. Uh, but the first thing that popped up to me is what's the next step? Because everything's so quiet right now for Razorback football, what's the next step? Where do they go from here? What are we waiting on? What do we want to hear more about? What are all these things that are going on too? And uh, that's kind of where I wanted to start the podcast this morning. And to me, the first, the, the next step that they have to do, at least firstly, is we got to hear from these new coaches, whether it's uh, Dominique Bowman or Deke Adams, uh, the new cornerbacks coach and defensive line coach, respectively. We need to hear from them because I'm not saying that like he they're owed, that owed that is owed to us or anything. I'm saying that I want to know more about him because Dominic Bowman is a guy, for instance, that I've heard. If you're Brandon Marcello, who was on the podcast last week, he even talked about this, and I've heard from others that he's like the next big up and coming coach, especially in the secondary, and could be a defensive coordinator and an elite recruiter. Here very soon, especially at an SEC program, which who knows, maybe he's being groomed for that at Arkansas. We don't really know. But also, you have uh, Deke Adams, who has a lot of SEC experience, has been at a bunch of different SEC schools, but doesn't seem like everybody is too hyped up about that hire, especially because his most recent stop in the SEC was a one-year stint with Lane, with Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss where he got fired. And they also saw the viral video when he was at South Carolina where he got in a fight with a guy on the sidelines and one of his own coaches. And so those are the types of things that you don't really want to see if you are a Razorback fan, but you want to hear more from them. And you want to hear from Sam Pittman as to why he made these hires, why he chose these individuals, and uh, some of the emphasis that's going to be put onto them as far as what they're going to need to do as coaches and what their roles will be. I, I think the Dominique Bowman hire is the one that's like, you know, since it's a cornerbacks coach, obviously it's important. I don't want to try to make it sound like it's not as important as anything else, but it's one of those positions to where he's coming in into a good situation. He's coming in where he has experienced cornerbacks. He's got some good transfer cornerbacks coming in. He's going to be working right, right, uh, right aside 
wrong side, uh, Barry Odom, who's of course the set safeties coach. So there's, there's a lot of where you could just step right in and be all right. It, it's not like he's having to do this uphill climb of having to figure out how in the world he's going to make this successful. He should be successful as soon as he enters into the room because of what he has going for him right now. But Deke Adams is the one that he's not entering a great situation. People are a little suspect about the situations that he comes from. And Arkansas needs some bodies, needs some help, needs some JUCOs, transfer portal, signees, whatever it is, right now. Like, they need it right now. And so you got two different coaches that are coming into two different situations. And the one that everyone feels great about is the one that's going to be in the best situation. But then the one that people don't feel as great about is the one that's going to have uh, the biggest obstacle in front of them. But I think that that's where I come back, where I, I'm trusting Sam Pittman. I'm trusting Barry Odom to be able to, to lead these guys. And they wouldn't hire these guys unless they felt like they would be able to add something into the mix as well. But I would like to know from especially uh, Deke Adams, you know, you've been at a lot of SEC stops. What is what has been the key to your success? What's going to be your, recru your recruiting type of uh, standpoint? What are you going to be looking for? What do you make of the current roster and the guys that you're going to have to work with? Like that's that's what I want to know, and that's what I who I want to hear from. And hopefully we will soon. And who knows? Maybe uh, maybe there'll even be one on one interviews, and maybe we can be able to get an interview or something like that here soon too. But uh, that would be the first thing that I want to hear from is just those coaches, the new coaches that got hired, and what we're going to hear from on that. The next situation or next step that I want to hear about is the the roster update when it comes to scholarship availability. When it comes to guys that you're adding into the transfer portal or adding from the transfer portal, whatever it may be, I want to hear a lot more from that because there is obviously some open scholarships in, in the situation that they found themselves. Because we know that they have to go back to having no more than 85 scholarships this year because the COVID thing was able to have some adjustments and all that. But Arkansas has exactly 83 players. This is according to hogsports.com, by the way because they do a great job over there. I want to give them credit. Uh, they have exactly 83 players on scholarship. And as they looked ahead to the 2022 football season, uh, obviously uh, if unsigned commitment, Miles Rouser signs that will bring Arkansas's total class to 26 and Arkansas will be able to bring in two more signees for the maximum of 28. And they had 21 scholarships left to give due to counting past recruits ahead to the 2022 class, like wide receiver Warren Thompson and Trey Millie, uh, Williams and all of that. So they still find themselves with some flexibility and some wiggle room in the uh, scholarship situation that they find themselves in. And I, I'd like to see what they do with those. I would hope and I would think that they would really try to go after the defensive linemen side of things because of how much they need the depth there. Because I, I'm looking at next year's line, and I know they like to play a lot of times three down linemen, which is fine. But like last year, you had three very capable D line, D, uh, three down linemen, and all three of those guys are gone. And who's stepping into it? And you know, Mateo Soli is going to be back. I know Zach Williams is going to be there. There'll be a few others, but I mean, is that making you feel great about this upcoming year? Probably not. It's because even with those guys that you think and have seen before, what about the guys behind him? Because we know defensive line, you're going to have to have rotation. You're going to have to have depth. Te teams are The guys are going to get tired, so you're going to have to find ways to, to make that work. So I would assume that they're going to go after hot and heavy to get some defensive linemen, maybe try to, I wouldn't say take a risk, but maybe look at some guys that normally you wouldn't look at from lower ranks. You know, like, like For instance, John Ridgway. Now, he had a lot of 
offers and everything coming out of uh, Illinois State or West Illinois, whatever. I, for, I always forget which school it was, but you remember. It was a small school from part of the FCS. Everyone kind of knew, hey, this guy's a big-time player. Let's uh, go and recruit him, but he chose Arkansas. That's what I would hope to see more out of uh, out of the guys that Arkansas tries to get after this year, or at least this spring, is maybe take, take a chance on one of those guys that are at the FCS ranks or JUCO ranks that maybe got uh, overlooked a little bit. Try to bring those guys in here and try to get them to uh, to be added into the mix of just depth. I'm not saying they have to come in and start right away, but just be there for depth, be there for bodies, be there for players. Uh, I think that I, I'd like to see that too. And the next step too, and this is something that is obvious for Arkansas football, is heading into the spring practice, heading into the spring games and all of that. I just want to see where I feel like it'll be the first time in a while we've been able to have that. I just want to see clean, crisp, knowing, understanding, knowing where players are going to be, knowing who's going to be doing what, knowing what to expect out of this, that, and the other, and also see the new coming players, incoming players be on the roster and be able to see what they do. Like Jaden Hazelwood, you know, he posted a video up on Twitter the other day. I believe it was Lucas Coley that was throwing him the ball in practice. And I'm just like, oh, buddy. That guy looks fast. That guy looks good. Here's hoping. Like I want to see where everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing and everyone knows where they're supposed to be as far as the guys that have been on the roster already. And then let's see whether it's the spring game or hopefully some scrimmages are open up for the media, whatever those may be. Let's see what Jaden Hazelwood would do. Let's see what Landon Jackson looks like. Let's see what Brini looks like. Let's see what these guys look like that came from the transfer portal. Drew Sanders being another one. McLaughlin being another one. Let's see what these guys can do. Is it something that they are stepping right in and feeling comfortable with spring practice and feeling comfortable with what they're supposed to be doing to where they're not making a lot of mistakes? Are they doing that? Or is it one of those things you, they're going to have to be brought in gradually? We may not see them that much in the spring. May have to kind of hold out a little bit and say, all right, well, you know, we got to work you in a little bit slower because, you know, you're not getting it just now. You know, what's that interaction? What's that type of thing going to be like? Uh, I think that's where all eyes are going to be on because everyone knows what they're getting at with KJ Jefferson, these running backs and offensive line and some of these defensive players. It's like, we already know where we're getting. It'll be maybe good to see Catalan. I don't know if he'll be for fully back for spring practice. I hope he is, but even if he is, he may be limited as far as what he's going to be doing. Um, but uh, you know, we already know what we're getting out of all of that. Let's see what we can get from a lot of these new players that there's a lot of excitement surrounding them. Let's see if they'll be able to, really switch it up and really change things over and really make an impact immediately into spring practice. Cause if they are able to do that, then the excitement and the hype train is going to go through the roof even more so than what it is right now. Folks, I got to tell you about the incredible app for everybody who buys gas that you need to know about. And that is get upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas. Every time they fill up, just download the free get upside app in the app store, or Google play right now and use the promo code score for 25 cents per gallon or more off on your first fill up cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app and use the free uh, for free and use the promo code SCORE for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much up to 200 or $300 a year in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets right added back to your account. You can cash out anytime using your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside at Use promo code SCORE to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's promo code SCORE.
Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so uh, the next segment, obviously, we want to dive into Razorback basketball and the fact that they are continuing to be on an incredible roll right now as they have won their six straight games. You know, it's almost crazy to think about where Arkansas was just three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, to where they are now, where they looked possibly dead in the water. They looked like they just didn't belong. They looked like they were just out of their element, whatever it may be. They were looking bleh. And now, not only are they looking like a bona fide NCAA tournament team, they're looking like a team that nobody's going to really want to play strictly due to their defense. And like I was looking at the standings for the SEC. Arkansas is now third in the SEC. Right? Auburn's 8-0. They're number one. Kentucky's 6-2. And, and uh, Arkansas's 5-3. I guess Tennessee's 5-3 five, five and three as well. So maybe a tie for third. But Arkansas has a better overall record. And we'll find out who these teams are better because they play each other twice this year. Like, people forget about that. They play each other twice. Uh, but Arkansas is on a six-game winning streak. They have Georgia on the road. Georgia's terrible. They're the worst team in the SEC. They're one and seven in conference play. They did beat Alabama at home, so you can't, you know, ever uh, overstate that. But uh, you, Arkansas should be a team that wins that game. And if they do that and head to six and three in conference play, they got Mississippi State at home. I mean, it's all just really coming together nicely for Arkansas right now. And uh, this West Virginia game was a game where Arkansas never trailed. They got off to a hot start. I think they were up 16 to five to start the game. Got up as much as 19 points, 18, 19 points until uh, West Virginia. Got to give them credit. They stormed back in the second half. Bob Huggins is a good coach. They stormed back, made it interesting, got within five points, but then Arkansas pulled away there and again, never looked back. 77 to 68, Arkansas got the victory. Now, looking at just the box score themselves, Adisi Tony's the one. He was the player of the game. Without a doubt, he had 19 points in this game, which uh, if you think about uh, the type of player he's been so far this year, uh, he's shown that he is capable of that. But 19 points, seven rebounds for him. He also had three assists. Uh, he goes seven of eight from the free throw line, six of eight from field goal range. I mean, that's about as big time as you could ask. And then uh, J.D. Note gets 15 points, probably his most efficient game. 15 points, goes six of eight uh, from the field, gets two assists, one steal. Uh, didn't even play the majority of the first half because he got two quick fouls he, in within three and a half minutes. So you're talking about the final 16-plus minutes of the first half. J.D. Note was not in the game, and Arkansas did not relinquish the lead. That's big because, I, I mean, nobody can feel really good about that whenever he goes out of the game. But he did great. Uh, Stanley Amude did his thing, too. He got 12 points in this. Jalen Williams, it, it's weird because I was watching the game, and I'm looking at the box score. I would have never guessed this. Jalen Williams had 12 points. 15 rebounds, two blocks, two steals, and one assist. Like another great game. But he went three of 13 from the field. I guess I don't remember him shooting that much when uh, I was watching the game of Bud Walton, but I guess that's true. And that's a terrible shooting performance. You never want to see that. But still, 12 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, you're going to take that all day. By the way, Moody also had eight rebounds. Didn't want to leave him out, too. So he, he did really good as well. Devo Davis comes in off the bench when J.D. Note went out. Uh, seven points, also had six rebounds, three assists, one steal, and two turnovers there. But overall, Arkansas, just they played a great game from beginning to end. Defensively especially, they hit 28 of 34 from the free throw line, which was great. 
Uh, West Virginia continues to do uh, some really good things. They had times where they played really good defense as well. Uh, the return of Gabe Osaboyan, he came back. Uh, he had seven points, but also had five fouls. So, you know, that's, that's about right. He was a kind of a foul machine. So, I mean, it was just a good beginning to end, solid performance that you wanted to see from the Razorbacks at home against a team like West Virginia, where I don't know if West Virginia is going to make the NCAA tournament. I know that they play in a tough conference and they're kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to conference play, but they're definitely one of those teams that people are going to look at after you are, uh, after you won that game and you're going to look back on the you know, committee and looking at games that you've won. And I think that that West Virginia game is going to be looked at not as like a Q1 win, but just a solid win because you know that Bob Huggins is always going to have a solid team. Arkansas has played themselves right into the NCAA tournament once again. Um, I know that Joe Lenardi's got them right there as far as their, I think the last four teams in, at least the, the latest I saw. I think he comes out with it again today. Uh, I haven't seen it at the time of this recording of this podcast, so uh, forgive me, but uh, they'll probably be right now into the NCAA tournament. But we know that the schedule is going to get extremely tough. Now they have this week, again, on the road at Georgia, Mississippi State at home. On the road against Georgia should be a win. But Mississippi State, we know Arkansas played them earlier this year with Grand without JD No 10. They got beat by 20 on the road. We know that Arkansas lost five of the last six games against Mississippi State and Ben Howland. Mississippi State's also 13 and 7, 4 and 3 in conference play. So this, this could be a tough game, but you have them at home. You got to feel good about it. So if you can go 2 and 0 again this week, ride an eight game winning streak heading into, <laughs> heading into the Auburn game next Tuesday, who is the number one team in the country. And what's crazy about this, and I couldn't believe this stat. If they retain that number one ranking, it'll be the first time in Bud Walton history that Arkansas has hosted the number one team in the country. Isn't that crazy? Of all the great teams that Arkansas has played, there's never been a number one team that played in Bud Walton Arena. Besides Arkansas, of course, when they were number one. But yeah, they've never hosted a number one team. So I'm kind of hoping Auburn wins out heading into that because I'd love to have a crack at beating the number one team in the country and having given them their first conference loss as well. But we know the conference schedule gets tougher out of that. You got to go to Bama, you got at Missouri, Tennessee at home, at Florida, Kentucky at home, LSU at home, and at Tennessee. It's going to get tough. You're going to find out just exactly how good you are. But the way that this team is playing defense right now, you got to feel good about it. I mean, they've been holding now on this win streak six straight opponents to under 40% shooting. That's big time. They've held them to really low scoring affairs. Nobody has scored. I guess AM did because they technically scored in overtime, but in regulation, at least, no team has scored over 70. In fact, uh, most of the teams haven't even scored over 60. I mean, when you beat Missouri, they only scored 43. LSU only scored 58. South Carolina scored 59. Ole Miss scored 55. You've done such a good job defensively, and defense travels. Defense is what is going to keep you in games no matter what. And so if they can just keep this defensive strategy going and be able to play the way that they're playing team defense-wise, there's not going to be many games that they lose, especially at home. And especially when you're uh, continuing to have guys that are stepping up in the absence when J.D. Note goes out, you get to pick up the scoring. Like, this team's never going to just get hot from three. Let's be honest. They're never going to go out and score 90 points uh, in conference play. And if they do, it's just going to be an incredible game and, like, everything's clicking. Like, it's not – you can't expect that. But what they've done a really good job at is just playing defense, making sure that they don't give any easy buckets and making sure that they uh, just keep – Keep on these guys, especially when they're shooting threes, because I think that that's been a huge factor of the three-point defense and making a difference this year as well. So we'll see how the rest of it goes. Uh, it's the new year, so that means that the, you all have New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit, which I know mine is, or eating healthier, which I know mine is, 
Make sure you have Bill Bar in your program, which of course I do. You need to check out Bill Bar. It's 130 calories for most Bill Bar Bill Bars. They have all these different flavors to choose from, and they're fast, they're easy, they're convenient. They taste amazing because they're covered in 100% chocolate. It almost seems too good to be true, right? Wrong. Go to all your snack little bins that you have, whether it's at the office or at work or uh, at the office or at home. Go through them all. Throw all the junk food away. Replace them with Built Bar. You'll have something that tastes great, is healthy for you, and you will be able to maintain that goal of losing weight and eating healthier with Built Bar. And you have a great deal right now where if you go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. It's that simple. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so for the final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, uh, real quick, I just want to clarify a position that I had on on Twitter and something that I saw at the Razorback basketball game that's been bothering me, uh, not only for this game this past Saturday, but for other games so far this year. There have been some empty seats, too many empty seats, empty seats in prime locations, especially there closer to the court. Now, it's bothersome to me because of, of one of two things. I'm not going to just spend the whole time shaming the fans of the, who have those seats. I think that it's bad to where if you like you can't sell season tickets for 19,200 seats. Because when you do that there's going to be a lot of empty seats. Just the way it is. And so I I think they did that this past year and I wish that they would go back to where they would sell like 13,000 season tickets and then the rest of them would be for single buys or packages or, or whatever. Because that opens it up to where you're not going to have as many empty seats of people not using these tickets. So I want that to get established. I think they should just change the system of season tickets. Uh, but another thing is to, like fans, I love you. You're awesome. I'm going to stick up for you 99% of the time when it comes to how you feel, what you're going through, all of those things. But here, my beef is that if you can't go to a one o'clock tip on a Saturday against a very good opponent in West Virginia. You can't go to that game, sell the tickets, and if you can't sell them, give them away. There is absolutely zero excuse for there to be gaps of empty seats right there at on Bud Walton Arena where you can see them plain as day on TV behind the scores table because you were just you just didn't want to give them up or you were too lazy or didn't want to give them away. Like there needs to be something that changes on that. I, I hate that. I absolutely hate that because there are fans that would just drop everything and come to the game and sit there if they had tickets offered to them. Even if they were offered up in the nosebleeds, those fans would still be here. They would still go to the game. They would still be like drop everything and go. And so it bothers me when I see like, again, I'm not saying that if I see one empty seat, I'm, I'm wanting to call the cops and be like, hey, arrest this person over here for not using their tickets. I don't know. Maybe I should do that. But I'm talking about when there's major gaps. Like, th there was games where when I was sitting there in the media section at Bud Walton Arena, I could see right there behind the scores table, I would see 10, 15 seats just open. Why? Why? If you can't sell them, give them to me, and I will sell them for you. I will find somebody to buy them. 
Like, even if you don't get your full money back, like if those say if you bought those seats and they cost you a hundred bucks for that game, I'm just making up a number, but they, they cost a hundred bucks for that game and you can't sell them for that hundred dollars, but you can sell them for 50. Wouldn't you rather get 50 bucks than nothing and then just let them go to waste? It's bad. That like that stuff needs to change. It has to change. I, I wish that there was uh, a way that we could like find out who these fans are and not shame them too much, but just be like, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? Why are you not using these tickets? I wish there was a way because there, that can't happen. Now, against Auburn, if I see that again, I may call the police or the FBI or, you know, maybe the president. I'm, I'm going to find a way to shame these people. We need to out them. We need to say you are you. We need to show up, have the cops show up and you search their house, find their season tickets or find their email that has them digitally there and say these are revoked. You know, we are we are taking these from you and we are giving them to people that will actually use them. It's ticket abuse is what it is. It's ticket abuse and it needs to stop. It's been going on for too long and it needs to stop. There needs to be some sort of precedent set here. OK, I'm being a little over the top, but still, you know what I'm saying? Use your tickets. Can't use your tickets. Give them to somebody that can. Sell them to somebody. But zero excuse for having empty seats at a game like that one against West Virginia behind the scores table at one o'clock on a Saturday. Zero excuse. Especially it was a beautiful day, folks. Wake up. Use your tickets. Like that's embarrassing. Don't be an embarrassment. Razorback fans have it tough enough as it is. Don't be an embarrassment when you can't have people showing up to big games sitting right behind the bench. That's dumb. It's absolutely dumb. Appreciate everybody listening in to Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. Also subscribe to the YouTube page, Locked on Razorbacks. You can also get after me on Twitter at Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.